0: Hello, this is Anita and this is Black Menopause and Beyond. I have here with Jacqueline Hines, she is going to explain who she is and what she does. It's, It's an amazing thing what she does and she's going to talk a bit about her experience with menopause and also how what she does can be quite beneficial on your menopause journey. So Jacqueline, tell us a bit about you. Okay, thank you very much for
2: inviting me, Anita. Yes, my name is Jacqueline A. Hines. The A is really important to me. Didn't like it before, but I do now. I'm uh, an Emotional Intelligence Coach and Leadership Consultant. So I run my own consultancy where I weave emotional and cultural intelligence as well as emotional resilience into coaching initiatives, training initiatives, and in my certification program. And that is me in a nutshell.
0: Wow, uh, that sounds complex.
2: It's not really.
0: (laughs) What exactly is emotional intelligence?
2: Right, okay, so if I put it bluntly, we all have emotions and we all are intelligent. So when you put them together, it's emotional intelligence. In terms of what emotional intelligence is, it's a set of emotional and social skills that collectively establish how well we as individuals perceive and express ourselves, how we develop and maintain social relationships. So inside, outside of work, in social settings, how we cope with challenges in their various forms, and also how we use emotional intelligence information. So the emotional information that we gather in an effective and meaningful way. And the reason why I say that in an effective and meaningful way, if you think about you're a manager or you're working with individuals and somebody's quite emotional, you will tap into and find out exactly what is happening with this individual. And, you know, instead of saying, oh, pull yourself together, you'll have empathy, you'll have compassion. And you'll say, look, do you you need to take a break? Do Do you need to go for a coffee somewhere quiet? Just to sort of like, you know. So it's using the information that you've got in a meaningful way to support others, but it's also you know, in a nutshell, it's allowing your emotions to work with you as opposed to against you.
0: So also, can I just clarify, emotional intelligence is very different than just intelligence?
2: Oh, yes, yes. There, you know, some people, um, because the the term for emotional intelligence is EI or EQ is when you do the assessments. So emotional quotient. Um, So people get IQ and EQ mixed up. So they think that If your IQ is high, then your emotional intelligence is high. Or if it's low, your emotional intelligence is low. They're not correlated at all. So you can have somebody who could be as bright as a button, you know, but their emotional intelligence is in the backyard or in the next country. They they just, yeah, they're just not self-aware. So it's about understanding, you know, the things that are are happening around you, but also having that discerning spirit as well. To sort of pick up the cues and work so that it actually comes to a conclusion that's beneficial for all, not just for some.
0: So can you also tell us about your experience with the menopause? Ooh, yeah my
2: experience with the menopause. Well, I'm going to go back a bit. I'm going to go back into the national health when I used to work there. I worked in the NHS for nearly nine years as a human resource development specialist. So um, I I basically ran training, a training centre, and I worked with colleagues at both of the hospitals that I worked in. So a lot of what I did meant i did one to one coaching with individuals i did training around certain things i did bullying and harassment you know supporting people around that you know it's 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 funny when you're supporting others but when you're in that zone and you need the support sometimes it's never there and i realized that well i didn't realize at the time but in hindsight I realised that I'd been going through the menopause when I was being subjected to bullying and harassment whilst I was in the NHS. And while I was doing that, I was actually supporting people who were being bullied and harassed, and a lot of them were black women, and um, a lot of them were actually going through the menopause. They were perimenopausal or menopausal, but didn't realise it. So for me, it was it was quite cathartic because I didn't have to think about what I was going through because I was focusing all of my energy in supporting individuals. But the symptoms they weren't that strong um, at that time. But like when I think back. I can see the the little cues where certain things were happening my diet I I actually um at that time I was <laughs> it sounds really silly but or or far-fetched but at that time I was the healthiest I've ever been because I was um juicing so I was doing my blended juices I was exercising you know the hospital you're walking up from one site to another so I was getting my you know steps in and everything and going to meetings across you know different sites in different parts of london so you know and then doing a lot of training so i didn't have time to think about me and my needs and i suppose because my my diet was balanced i didn't really worry about it it was afterwards when i got signed off sick and i had time because you know when you're in the goldfish bowl you you don't realize what's happening in front of you because everything is swimming you know, in front of you and you're in the thick of it, it's not until you come outside and then you look from the outside in, you realize, you know, what a toxic sludge you were in and the impact and the effect that it has on you and your health and well-being. And, and that's what happened to me. And that's when I started to realize, you know something, I, I'm not feeling 100 percent and it's it's more than just the stress that I'm feeling about how I was being treated, it was more about, you know, my body's changing, you know, and I don't know what's happening. You know, I'm normally a warm person, but like, you know, this, it was a bit like the Fantastic Four, flame on. And it was like, what can I do? Because it was like burning from the inside and I didn't know what to do. So that's, that's when I really found out that things were changing, but didn't quite understand what I needed to, what I could do and what I should do to sort of you know, supplement that.
0: Did you go to the doctor at all, take any um, medication or prescription?
2: I didn't go to the doctor. Um, I suppose talking to some of my girlfriends, they oh, no, no, don't go to the doctor. They'll give you all sorts of rubbish, you know. And once you get hooked on it, and, and to be quite honest, I've never been one for taking tablets and, you know, other bits and pieces. I'm more into the holistic. Um, so I didn't. So what I did was, I started looking up, you know, herbal remedies and, and sort of like buying my supplements and taking those. Not that I really felt any different because it takes a while for it to get into the system. And sometimes you take a couple of tablets, you're thinking it's not working, you know. And it, it took quite a while for me to realize, oh, I don't feel like that anymore. So I, I, I kept, kept doing it, kept doing it, kept taking the supplements. You know, kept trying to sort of exercise and and do the juicing, but um, in the midst of all of that, I I got headhunted and went to the Middle East for a year. So um, for me, um, part of my regime that I got set up that was working really well, like clockwork, went out of the window because I went from the UK, which is nice, hot days, rain, snow, whatever, to blazing hot. Can't even can't even breathe you know heat and it was like oh my goodness so with the juicing because it's you know it's it's the Middle East and it's it's arid it's dry heat my juicing um machine that I took with me you know I was I was blending a a a, a carrot and it was like a mega carrot it broke the sleeve the juicing sleeve really <laughs> yeah and I couldn't get a replacement out there so you know it it was it was like. Oh, you know, just my luck. Yeah, I tried to sort of like do as much juicing or go to juice bars, and but it wasn't the same as what you would do for yourself. So for a whole year, I sort of like did other things to sort of like supplement it, like going to the gym and stuff like that. You do realise it does make a difference. It really does, but you've got to keep at it.
0: Oh, the exercise. And- yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I'm all- trying to do that at the moment. So yeah, it does help, um, but at the same time, if you're always tired, yeah, the energy to go is really hard.
2: Yeah, so I, can, yeah. I
0: can understand. I've got a question in response to what you've said. Mm. Uh, it's kind of a question, a statement. So one of the things that, because um, I've, I've interviewed quite a few women, talking about the topic of HRT, medication, mm-hmm. and you know, menopause and everything. And I've also spoken to professionals. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly, it's very clear to me that black women do not like taking HRT. Or taking yeah. medication. That's that I'm talking about, I think maybe out of all the women I've spoken, it's not scientific or medical or research, mm. back, but bad women I've spoken to, I would say 60 to 70 percent won't touch it. Mm. Yeah. And that's but when I speak to Caucasian women, it's slightly different with Asian women, Asian women are more like black women. Mm. Um, but when I speak to Caucasian, it's the total opposite, you know, yeah. you know, it's t- it's totally opposite. And one of the things that I'm kind of conscious of is that black women, we kind of sometimes internalise the idea that we're strong black women. And some Mm. women I've seen are clearly suffering and they don't take the medication and they're, they're trying to deal with it naturally and they're just not. It's not working for them. But for me, from an activist point of view, I want black women to receive best service and to have the choice of hrt and I, i'm not just think based on what i've said i mean what's your response to what i've said with regards to it? because i think sometimes we black women we we we've got our legs falling off but we're strong we'll get through it you yeah. know what our grandmas did it our yeah. mums did it you know literally we fed a thousand on 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 one yam we could do it <laughs> <laughs> You know, one lamb and one chicken oh yeah yeah you know
2: <laughs> feeding the multitudes no the thing is that that is the negative trope that has been handed down and given to us if we go back into history you know the fear of trying certain things comes from black women historically have been tested on without anesthesia and you know in in sort of like in those days, when you think about the transatlantic Atlantic slave trade, they weren't allowed to speak out or anything like that. And that's where keeping quiet comes from. And that's where them internalizing stuff because they can't vocalize. They didn't, they didn't have a voice. Um, that is one element of it. The other element is it's 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 um, I'm I'm glad that you've actually mentioned, you know, speaking to Caucasian women. Um a lot of the drugs and things like that that are out there, they're not really road tested and geared for black people, full stop. So it doesn't matter what anybody, I've spoken to some black women who have tried HRT, go, yeah, it works for me, praise the Lord, I'm really happy for you, you know. But for me, I, like I said, I, I'm not one to sort of like take stuff that I really don't know what the long-term effects are you know we we are all different we're all uniquely made and what will work for one person may counteract and cause something else in somebody else and and i think the the um, fear of that is is a far greater when you're speaking to women and they are suffering because they don't know what the long term effects are but in internally they kind of tend to think no I I, I don't know much about it I can't take something that I don't know what the long-term effect is and more often than not some of the side effects they don't manifest until long after you may get individuals that end up with really dry skin and flaky and it's like where did this happen I know you get dry skin you know as part of the menopause, there are so many symptoms. And, you know, any one woman that gets all of them hits all of the pressure points, I really do empathize with them. But like some women get some symptoms, some women don't really get any symptoms. Some women sail through and say menopause. Oh, I must have got it back then. You know, I I met a a lady, lovely lady. She's in her 80s. She didn't reach the menopause until she was in her late 70s. Really? Yeah. And it was like, wow, you know, what Mm. were you taking? She goes, well, she good diet, exercise, all of that. She, you know, she said she never had any symptoms, Mm. you know, so different folks, different strokes. But it's down to the individual to actually do their due diligence and and research, speak to individuals, not just take somebody else's experience or, or thoughts about it, you know, and this 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 uh, idea of the strong black women we need to we need to show black women's tears now you know you need to show your underbelly not literally but you have to let people know that you have emotions we're not robots we're not automatons that you know you can do anything to us and you know brush it off yeah carry on regardless no no you know we have we do break yes we do and a lot of Women and men are fractured beyond repair, you know they're they're firing on half cylinders, whereas they had so much potential it's been knocked out of them, you know, and whilst they're working, it's almost like it's it's automated they're just walking through life, and that's not how it should be and and there's so many factors that impact them in the workplace in society. every strand that um we we venture into there is an obstacle or a blockage i'm not saying this negatively we know that this is true but yeah yeah, it's a fact but it's like what you what you do with the knowledge and understanding is down to you as an individual as i said what will work for you may not necessarily work for somebody else Mm. you know Mm. um you know like i said whilst i was going through my my bullying and harassment i was actually going into the menopause but didn't realize it at the time you know so it really is something that we have to take time and self-care now nobody's going to care about us we have to we have to basically go back to Eden go back to Eden and start looking at natural things that work with your body Mm -hmm. as opposed to things that you're not really sure about that work against because a lot of the a lot of the supplements that are out there they're so full of sugar they're coated in sugar they've got things that you know, you sort of think, crumbs, I swallow this. Is it gonna digest? Is it gonna dissolve? You know, is what, it just
0: what... flour and water?
2: <laughs> well, this is it. Is it a placebo? Because there's a there's a lot of things where individuals, um, and it's not over here, it's not not that it's come to light, but in America where individuals have been ill and they've gone to the doctor and the doctor's given them placebos where it, it's it's just nothing. And it's like, yeah, I'm feeling so much better, and then all of yeah. a sudden, y- yeah. You know, sometimes it's mind over matter, but we know that we as women, especially black women, when we get to a certain age, our body changes and and we're not that self-like. And it's about embracing who you are, loving who you are and working with yourself rather than trying to kill yourself and say, oh, I need to get back into that dress, you know, regard, look. You know, I'm going into my 60th year this year. So for me... You
0: don't look it, by the way.
2: Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I'll pay <see> you later.
0: <laughs> I'm expecting a check. Okay. Oh, is it card these days? Sorry.
2: <laughs> Just swipe it. Yeah, no. So for me, it's about, it's about taking time for yourself to enjoy life. You mm. know, we've, we've all done the 90 miles an hour in, in the hamster wheel bit. You know, having children, doing this you know, being the superwoman and Mm -hmm. still trying to get things done and get the, get the work done. But, you know, we need to take time out for ourselves. We need to learn to self-care, but we need to accept that, you know, life throws us challenges, but we have to, you know, roll with the challenges, almost learn to surf the waves Mm -hmm. that, that come along so that it benefits us, you know, doesn't work against us and part of it is accepting that yeah your body's changing you know things that are happening outside as well in society impact your emotional health and well-being as well so you take all of those factors in as well but it's also being able to meet up with like-minded individuals where you can just sit down and there's not that many safe spaces when I say safe spaces culturally safe spaces where we as black women can sit down and speak truth to power and Mm -hmm. then we all get it you can be in a group you can Mm -hmm. be in a group and and it'll be a mixture of of ethnicities you know caucasian asian you know uh, but we could talk about something and you and i would probably get it but they Mm -hmm. would be okay what What, what's that and it's like oh it's
0: also also, what I also find as well, it's not, it, it, that as well, like-minded thinking, but it's also mm. about understanding that the person you see in the mirror is the default narrative. And I think sometimes it's not just about us understanding that's what we need to do. I think the wider community need to understand that mm. we're, we're not the default, even though, and I have said this in other podcasts, even though brown and black people, there are more of us on the whole planet than Caucasians when it comes to health and other things we're never the default even in countries which are brown and black with regards to research we're still not the default yeah um and when you're not the default it can affect the quality of health care you receive yeah and the reality is people are suffering people are dying hmm. because we're not the default because the information out there that we receive is not accurate or non-existent. And also the information that the health professionals who've got MD, etc. and blah, 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 at the end of the name, they don't even know it.
2: Yeah. And some of them don't care.
0: And they don't care. They don't they don't know the difference. Um they just don't know it. I Mm. mean like I have done some research. I, I interviewed this lovely lady called Veronica Ebanks. I don't know if you know. She's really, really lovely. And she was talking about menopause and fibroids. And she told me she'd found loads of research on how um, black women have high levels of estrogen. Mm. And that's scientific high levels of estrogen. And I'm thinking, even though I have heard it before, I didn't know how accurate it was. That's the thing we don't know. Um, and I did some more research based on the information she gave me. And I found some papers which clearly state that. Mm. But so, so therefore, even though I think that black women need to engage in the topic of HRT more because we are suffering, mm. at the same time, as we've said, is it designed for us? Because if we do have high estrogen level, it's not going to be designed to cater for us because That's clearly great. there must be a balance yeah you know, yeah um and you know and all stuff around testosterone and, and progesterone all these things mm. if there are different levels and some of the levels might be influenced by uh, lifestyles we could yeah. be like diets and stuff like that um but sometimes these are just its it's a biological mm. difference and 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 i know that there are stuff around um black uh, black people and diabetes heart disease yeah. all these different things all the different there are different outcomes mm. for black people yeah you
2: know?
0: um, and these things also affect whether you go in hrt and, you, and your menopause experience yeah. that, and not, that's it and if the medical person who's making the judgment on what service you receive does not know that mm. I can understand why we have a natural fear not to take anything and put it in our mouth. But yeah. at the same time, I've seen so many Caucasian women sing, dance and skip because HRT has corrected themselves. Mm. I think if we could trust the medicine we were given, mm. would, wouldn't it be great if more black women who are suffering, who can't manage it naturally, could mm-hmm. jump, skip and dance? Oh, so Absolutely. So for Absolutely. me, it's also about kind of helping. No, it's about pushing the health service or, you know, the health community or whatever, or the medical people, or research people, because it might be research is the problem. The doctors take what they've been given from researchers. If we're not being researched, mm. the doctors don't care because mm. it's, not, it's not in the paper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's also about us being included and about them understanding that there are different health narratives, yeah, 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 and then we should be included accurately because there are people, you know, we suffer, we suffer on so many levels, and mm. and it's just unfair that we just can't get even basic hate uh, mental service, basic,
2: yeah, basic, yeah. basic.
0: I'm not yeah. talking about anything special.
2: You know, yeah. Basic,
0: and I think so many. That's how we suffer. We continually are, are de- devalued, or get or get secondhand information, or no information. And I just sorry. So about my rent.
2: No, no, <laughs> it's
0: okay. It's okay. I I hear you. I understand.
2: I mean, it goes across the board when you think about the healthcare inequalities. Because even when I think back on um women who are suffering, who've gone in to have their babies, black women are how many more times likely to die through childbirth than white women. So yeah, yeah. yeah, there there are disparities across every, every segment within the healthcare arena where um, you are weighed up against somebody that doesn't look like you. But it goes back to the research, the research that happens. And and, um, I'm gonna sort of like dip into the dementia bit as an example one of the last conferences that I spoke at it they looked at um research and um the drugs for dementia and at the end of the presentation they were asked you know where did you get the research from where did you get the research from and um how did you get the research and they basically said oh we did a questionnaire and we got all of these people to do it but the the demographics you could see that the the majority of people that they actually got to do the testing, to do all of the, the research with, were white people. And it's like when you questioned, said, didn't you do this, didn't you? Oh, no, it was almost. And it's the same thing when they do their drugs, when they do the drug trials and that black people aren't really going to be signing up for it because it's it's not really geared around us for us so hence that's where the fear comes from as well okay I'm going to be your guinea pig therefore I don't want to try it because I don't know what will happen yeah it's 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 a it's a difficult one and it's it's trying to get people to look beyond that and you know look after themselves you know for me HRT I wouldn't say it's a dirty word as as I said it's worked for some people but not for everyone you know so it's it's about being informed and asking the you know going to the right place and asking people you know about these side effects what what to expect you know having somebody to sort of like explain it to you in layman terms is better so they go away more informed and then can come back and say well Yes, I'll do it, or no, I won't. I, I'd, I'd rather. Is there something else that I can, you know, try? But there's nothing, and there's no one.
0: Yes, and and there's and that and also because of our experience, you know, the day to day basis, just daily interaction mm. with the with the health service, you're so used to being ignored, tokenized. So you know, all of a sudden they some of these paid for some research to, to be done, and they turn up. Um, they ask you a load of questions and then they disappear mm. and you never get results. You never find out what they've done with that. They've taken up your time, your energy. Um, they were paid. Mm-hmm. Research was paid for. Yeah. And they don't give you feedback. And you think, is yeah. it just a box ticking exercise?
2: Yeah. That it's consumed my
0: not. time. Yeah. It's a tick consumed box exercise. My, yeah. It yeah, consumed my unpaid time because that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm. Uh, but then there's no outcome. Or they don't no. show you an outcome. So that's also, I know, is quite frustrating within the community because we're continually told, what do we need? What do we need? But we don't see a result from what do we need. Yeah. Yeah. It's and go, even then, almost, go on. And even then, sometimes when people do take your information or ask you questions or do whatever, because, if they're not black, they sometimes interpret the information that you give Definitely. them in a narrative that suits their narrative they twist it and then you think well why did I just waste my time
2: yeah because they they manipulate it to fit into their box
0: yes and therefore the problems still exist because they haven't understood the problem
2: yeah if we go ahead and and do our trials do all of that and start doing our own thing then it becomes a problem doesn't it
0: yes because then considered to be a form of racism when actually yeah because we're not
2: including them
0: yeah, well, it's actually it's a reaction to racism. Uh-huh. It's about it's about putting your health narratives as as the the the, the default, mm. uh, and then focusing on outcomes to match the mm. default, which happens every day. Yeah, but you know, so, you know, other communities, but it doesn't happen with us. We're always secondary or, or niche or not considered. Yeah, um, and then we suffer. But then we suffer. So, my next question. How can good emotional intelligence help with the menopause journey?
2: Well, like I said, emotional intelligence is a set of emotional and social skills. And it's about tapping into, you know, I am certified as a coach and I use two models. The first one is the emotional intelligence skills assessment profile, which is four quadrants. So it looks at self-awareness, self-management social awareness and relationship management. You know, the first component is actually understanding yourself, being reflective, looking in the mirror, having a good look in the mirror at yourself. Is what you see and what you feel what reflects back at you? And is it the same as what other people see as well? Because, you know, sometimes we can look in the mirror and say, yeah, yeah, we, you know, I'm this, I'm that. But what other people see is totally different and then they react differently so you know in 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 the menopausal journey when you're having a bad day we know that um you know Jacqueline would be feeling really irritable and somebody comes along and asking them the same question over and over again and in the end Jacqueline just thinks Chah, I've had enough of this and then just say look Jane go and find I've told you five times You know, I told you where to go and get the information. I really am not feeling 100%. So I can't can't go through this anymore. I can't give you any more time. Now, Jane will interpret that. And it's all about interpretation, how you come across. Jane will take that and go back to the powers that be and say that Jacqueline shouted at her. She was aggressive. She was this. And they know that I'm going through the menopause because I'd already told my line manager, but they disregard that. Whereas Jane, who's going through the menopause, come in and cost grass, swear at everybody, and it's swept under the carpet. Oh, she's she's you know she's had a bad day. She's menopausal, you know, and then she runs out crying. And this is why we have to show black women's tears. If if they use their weaponized white women's tears, we have to do the same to show that we are human to get a reaction, to get that empathy. It may fall on deaf ears but you know using your emotions understanding your emotions and using them effectively so that it works with you as opposed to against you you know I would suggest good emotional intelligence you think right if I don't get up and just go and get a bit of fresh air I'm going to cuss bluegrass. so rather than sort of like you know do that just say excuse me I'll be back in a minute up go for a walk you know, one of my friends and she used to crack me up when she used to say this and she was going through the menopause at the time. She skipped when she got angry, she would go and find somewhere and argue with the wall. Yeah, she'd just argue, you know, pretend the wall was a person. I said, that's really good. But, you know, that's the first sign of madness, man. You know, she goes, but it worked for her. And then when she'd come back, you would not know. Me, I, you know, somebody upset me. I would look for the toilet on the furthest, the highest floor, boil my eyes out, splash it with water and then come back composed. And, and that's where the oh yes you know oh that was a bit close to knuckle but she looks all right and that's where the the negative narrative and trope continues because you look as if you're unfazed but that time you've balled your eyes out you're still see- seething but they don't see that mm. so it's about understanding which battles you put armor on and ready for battle and which you know because it's not every battle you have to it's rock up, in and up yeah, yeah you know and and I I must admit, since, because I've been doing emotional intelligence for over 30 years, I I did change management, stress management, conflict resolution when I was doing um, full-on training when I worked, and these are all elements, these are all family members of the emotional intelligence family, so they all tap into your emotions, and when I actually got licensed, it was like, oh wow, I know this already, Mm, I've arrived, but it's understanding It's like seeing the situation before you actually fall into it. You're driving a car and there's a big pothole in the road and you think, oh, let me just take this next left. And that's exactly what it is. Because you understand that if somebody's going to kick off, you understand why they're kicking off. And if somebody's going to provoke you, you understand that they want to provoke you because a whole raft of things are happening, you know, for them. And they just need to sharpen their claws on somebody and you say not today and not me so Mm. you 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 see it before it actually happens or somebody may say something to you and you say look um I'm not going to say anything right now because I can see that you're upset that time you want to put your hands around their neck and throttle them but you know where it's coming from so you don't react when you don't react and give individuals what they want, because they're always looking for the angry black woman, but she doesn't exist. We have emotions like everybody else, but we're not afforded that luxury of showing our emotions, of having a bad day, having a hot flush, not wanting to communicate and just get on with your work. You i know, not
0: to say no either. I've noticed that.
2: Yeah, there's that seems a form of, of, of aggression. No. Yeah, okay. yeah, I mean, there are certain things, even if you whispered it, it would still be said. That you were angry, you were aggressive, you know. Um, And one of the things that I used to, especially in conflict resolution, I used to say, "Yeah, you can say no." There's so many ways in which you can say no. And there, you know, when I worked in um, in the corporate world, there was this one manager that used to come at the eleventh hour with a whole pile of stuff and expect you to drop everything and do it for them. And, you know, a couple of times I did it. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And even when I moved out from being a secretary and was a, you know, fully fledged trainer, they would come and say, oh, Jack, I know, I know you're not a secretary anymore, but could you? And I thought your rank. And I just said, no, I'm sorry. I can't do that for you. Oh yeah. It'll take you five minutes. And as you've quite rightly said, I'm no longer a secretary i'm sure one of the secretaries in in the office will be able to accommodate you you know they didn't like it so they took mm-hmm. it as yeah. and i said i hope you understand i've just got xyz to do so what i used to do is i used to make sure that i didn't have any time i made okay. sure that i was unavailable mm. all the time you know it's difficult but you know this is this is nothing new to anyone but it's how you handle it, how you handle yourself and how you come across. And that's that's all about tapping into your emotional intelligence and using it effectively.
0: So can you and the listeners out there listening, Hmm. if some how can someone improve their emotional intelligence on a personal level or if they want to receive professional help? who or where would they go?
2: Well, you can find any emotional intelligence coach or training consultancy. There's loads of them out there. Um, Or you can find a like-minded individual that you speak to, because sometimes it's really good to actually have a conversation with the person. A lot of the people that I work with, I have a conversation with them first to actually find out what their needs are, you know, because I I use emotional intelligence in coaching. So they do an assessment, an online assessment, and then they have a one-to-one feedback. And then based on their report, I actually um, give them three coaching sessions, or I do just straightforward coaching where I find out what the challenges the individuals have and they can have blocks of three, so three, six, nine. And and we will work through a series of things, but they need to formulate why they want to do the coaching. So it's not just a case of them rocking up and me coaching them. They need to know why they want to go down the coaching route, what it is they need to gain out of it and how they're going to utilize that knowledge to sort of like develop themselves further to overcome whatever challenges. So what I would say is find somebody Who's credible, preferably a certified emotional intelligence coach, because they they work on different strands of individuals. There's loads of people out there doing emotional intelligence. There's a lot of people that are not certified who, who will say, Oh, I'm 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 an emotional intelligence coach. Yeah, I did it in, in a bit of emotional intelligence in my degree. That is not a certified emotional intelligence coach or trainer. Get somebody who's credible look them up on LinkedIn, connect with them, you know, have a conversation, you know, have a virtual coffee with them and then find out, look on their websites do your due diligence and find out what you will get out of the process. But you have to understand why you want to do it first and foremost and what you hope to get out of it. And then that way, when you have that informed conversation, then you have the, um, the, the platform for a, a, a coaching partnership or a training initiative that will develop, empower and upskill the individual.
0: Also, another question that's just popped into my head. What's the difference between going to a counsellor for emotional help
2: mm-hmm. than
0: emotional intelligence
2: right okay now um i'm not a, a certified counselor or therapist although i i am um, am doing a cbt diploma and that's really just to sort of back up what i do as an emotional intelligence coach a counselor i mean i went to a counselor when i got bullied severely as a senior manager i went and had counseling and um You don't realize how much is packed up inside you and the things that you think you're going for. There are other things that are underlying that are under the surface that need to come out for everything to come out, the watershed. So a counselor is a person that helps you to put things into perspective on where you were. And it depends on what kind of counseling you go to, because some people, they have PTSD. So they need, you know, real, you know, deep therapy in that respect or, you know, like what I did, I went to see a counsellor who was an ethnic minority. So it, it also helps when you've got somebody who understands where you're coming from, from a cultural perspective, you know, as opposed to somebody that is, yeah, a counsellor, when you're talking about certain things, they they don't understand because they can't, they've never walked in your shoes. So a counsellor will help the person to sort of like, not overcome their challenges, help them to see and accept certain things to unpack and unpick, but also to move forward. So they give them certain things to move them along. But in emotional intelligence, it's all about you. So what is happening to you now? What's happened in your past across an emotional intelligence spectrum? When I do an assessment with somebody and do the feedback, we look at their empathy they we look at their stress tolerance so it's around a model that that is the difference it's around somebody upskilling somebody wanting to acquire knowledge and expertise to weave into their own specialism to enhance it if i if i go back to thinking about managers and i'm going to use the nhs there's a lot of managers in positions who shouldn't be in those positions because they're not trained as managers. This is where a lot of the bullying and harassment stems from, because when they've got objectives that need to be met and they've got individuals, they're not compassionate, they have no empathy, they just say, go and get the job done. Whereas if it was a manager who was emotionally intelligent, they'd be saying, look, you know, John... James, Jack, um, I, un- I understand you're going through some challenges. Is there anything that I can do to help you? And it's a big difference in somebody's day-to-day working life rather than having to jump through hoops and feeling stressed at the same time. So a counsellor and an emotional intelligence coach, totally different arenas, but they are there to support individuals on their journeys regardless.
0: Thank you for that. Because And there's actually... Some people might be slightly confused on the difference Mm. and you've made it quite clear. Now, you've said some amazing things. If somebody wants to contact you, how would they go about it?
2: Right. Okay. so if the individuals are on LinkedIn, do connect with me. It's Jacqueline A. Hines and it's H-I-N-D-S. You'll find me on LinkedIn or you can find me on Twitter at Releasing You or at... S O E I U K. So um, I'm also the founder of the Society of Emotional Intelligence. So you can you can find me through that. And if you need to email me, you can email me at j a h at wilson Hines Dot com. it's all one word so it's w-i-l-s-o-n-h-i-n-d-s consulting all one word dot com
0: yeah, thank you very much thank you for um giving me your time and it's been very beneficial um, and you've definitely enlightened me and made me understand the importance of emotional intelligence and managing the menopause thank you very much
2: you're most welcome thank you